I hope you like our decorations today. Um, we went out of the way just to get ready for a little Christmas scenery here. Um, Children's Theater will be hosting the Scrooge at 1.30 this afternoon right here. I think this is the first time I've done a message with a bed on the stage. I've seen that happen before, though, with messages, but I've never really... And we're not even talking about sex. We're talking about do all religions lead to God. The video clip was made a few years ago in Washington, D.C., and it demonstrates a very popular view today. There is one God, but many ways to get to him. So we want to talk about that. Do all religions lead to God? My own personal observation is that people who take this view do so with very little reflection or thought. It sounds fair and tolerant. Those are really buzzwords, especially the tolerant. It's like really important to be tolerant when we come to religions. And I want to say that tolerance is a good thing with people. Tolerance is a very good thing in your relationships with people. Not necessarily when it comes to truth. Okay, let me uh, develop that a little bit. Uh, when it comes to religious views, we Americans are highly skilled consumers. We know that what, we, what we like and we know what we don't like. For example, when I go to Baracho's, I know what I like. I get a whole wheat uh, tortilla. And then I get black beans. And then I get grilled chicken. And then I get um, sour. I get corn salsa and, and uh, habanero salsa. And then I get um, a little bit of cheese and a little bit of sour cream. And I'm happy. And uh, that's great uh, when you're uh, picking lunch, but that's not a good way to pick religion. Uh, But that's how some people do it. They know what they like, and they just sort of like a smorgasbord, they just sort of take a little bit, kind of an eclectic approach, pick and choose, and they're happy. Christianity has made the claim that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. This view is criticized for being too narrow, too exclusive, and intolerant of other views. And so let's consider this this morning. In your program, you have an outlined. Very first thing I want to say, first option, guess what? We're going to have three options. By the way, this is our last message in God Questions. Next week, we'll just have a a, sort of an untraditional Christmas message And we'll be in the scriptures, so uh, be ready for that. But this is the last question for God questions. Uh, Option number one, Christianity is not narrow. Christianity is not narrow. narrow. Now, this would be true if all religions led to God. Does that make sense? This would be true. And so we're going to consider this. Is this true? Can it be true? Uh, Christianity is not narrow. In fact, Christianity is just one of many religious paths to God. And there's a few illustrations that are often used, either from Eastern religion or kind of from the New Age perspective. Um, Number one is an illustration of a caravan, sort of an idea in the uh, Mideast of a caravan going through a desert. It's full of people and the idea of many caravans. And they're on different roads, And they represent different religious groups. 
And all of those roads end up leading to one place, and that is God. So that's the illustration that's used. Another illustration is the hub and spokes of a wheel. And uh, the spokes represent different religions. And the hub of this wheel represents God. And the idea is, if you're on a spoke, you're going to get to God. doesn't make any difference which one you're on. It's just a picture to represent this view. Another, was, another one is the mountaintop with many paths. And the idea is, at the top of the mountain... God is located there just waiting for us to get to him. And on the mountain, there are many different paths that people take. And those paths are full of people. They're on their way to the top, and they'll all get there. But you may pick any path that you want. And that's one of these illustrations used that, um, to say that Christianity is not narrow. Christianity is just one of many paths to God. And then number uh, four the illustration of the elephant and the blind man. This is the most popular. You've likely heard of this along the way. Um, the elephant represents God, okay? And the blind men are pursuing God. And so one of the blind men comes up and he grabs the trunk and he says, look, I found God. Pretty excited. Somebody else comes up and, and sometimes they, God is like a snake. You know, he found the trunk. Or um, another man, blind man, comes up and he grabs the leg. No, I found God. And God is like a tree. And so all of these approaches. Another one comes up, grabs the tail. Look, I found God. Uh, just another way. And the, the idea is, in reality, they're just people coming to God in many different ways. And they're all blind, by the way. But there's somebody out there who sees the truth. Even, even the story breaks down. Somebody sees objectively that this is an elephant. It's, it's not a trunk. It's not a, it's not a leg. It's, it's just an elephant. It's a nice illustration. It seems to explain different religions. It seems to be tolerant. And you know that tolerance is a virtue, right? Okay, so Christianity is just one of many religious paths to God. Uh, now, Christianity claims to be the only path to God. This is um, what, in fact, the scripture says. We're going to evaluate, can Christianity not be narrow? So stay with me here. John 3.18, this is what Jesus taught. Jesus Christ said, whoever believes in him is not condemned. He's talking about God's son from the context for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, John 3.16. This is John 3.18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. What's my point here? My point is Jesus does not leave the door open that there are other ways. That's what I want you to see. And John 8.24 is another passage. I told you, this is Jesus speaking, I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe. By the way, he's speaking to the Jewish leaders of the first century, Jewish religious leaders. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he, and you will indeed die in your sins. John 14.6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. Jesus 
explicitly states he is the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. This is exclusive. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, all I want you to see is this is either absolutely true or it is false. Can't be both. Jesus is teaching that Christianity, in fact, is narrow. Acts 4.12. Salvation is found in no one else. This is Peter speaking in Jerusalem to a Jewish audience. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. And Peter is saying there's no other name. What name is he talking about? Verse 11 tells us he's talking about Jesus, the one who was crucified. And all we're saying is Christianity isn't leaving the door open. The Bible doesn't leave the door open when it comes to this subject. And you can't say there are many ways to God and include Christianity. John 5, 24 through 29. This is Jesus again. He says, very truly, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. So Jesus is making a claim. If you hear what God says about a son, and if you believe, you can have eternal life, and you will not be condemned, and you've crossed over from death to life. Verse 25, very truly, I tell you, a time is coming, and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God, and those who hear will live. Next, pass, next slide. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and he has given him authority to judge because he is the Son of Man. Now Jesus is claiming that the Father has delegated authority to him, the Son, to be the judge. Last slide. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out, referring to the Son. Those who have done what is good will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. Jesus is speaking of a final judgment. One more, Romans 6.23. The Apostle Paul writes in the first century, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Paul is saying there are consequences for sin, but if you want to be, uh, if you want to find your path to God, it's going to be in relationship with Jesus. It's going to be in connection with Jesus Christ. That's his point. A couple of observations here. Um, first of all, critics uh, often do not know what the Bible says. When people say there are many paths to God and Christianity is just one. People often really don't know what the Bible says. That's one of the reasons why we just walked through some of those passages to show you the Bible doesn't open that possibility. There's going to be a major contradiction with other religions if um, to follow what the scriptures say. Uh, secondly, critics often do not accept the Bible to be true and uh, you don't, you're not surprised by this. And the issue is not, do all religions lead to heaven? The issue is, what do they think of the Bible? That's what we talked about last week. And that's the question you have to deal with, is what do people think about the authority of Scripture? Okay, that's the first option. 
uh, Christianity is not narrow. Are you confused that Christianity is not narrow? Second option, Christianity is narrow and wrong. A lot of people believe this. Christianity is narrow. I'm not going to go for that. It's got to be wrong, okay? That's a very popular view today. Um, Christianity excludes many sincere, this is the reason, Christianity excludes many sincere religious people who are seeking God through different religions. Is this true? Well, yes, it is true. Uh, and here's the assumption behind that Christianity is narrow and wrong. Because people are sincere, they can't be wrong or shouldn't be considered wrong. We get really mushy when it comes to people who are sincere. We tend to get really tolerant about people who are sincere. And we can be tolerant toward people. Let's not be tolerant about truth, okay? Um, It's normal to like sincere people. It's easy to respect sincere people. We find it hard if sincere people are judged to be wrong. And the assumption is we should be tolerant to sincere people. Do we have any Minnesota Viking fans in the room? Okay. We have an important video clip for you to see. Straight back to pass. Looking. Now stops, throws, completes it to Kilmer up at the 30-yard line. Kilmer driving for the first down, loses the football. It's picked up by Jim Marshall, who's running the wrong way. Marshall is running the wrong way. And he's running it into the end zone the wrong way. Thinks he scored a touchdown. He has scored a safety. That was 1964. Minnesota Vikings playing the San Francisco 49ers. The Vikings won, by the way. But my point is, Jim Marshall was sincere when he picked up that football. And he ran, and he ran hard, and the crowds were cheering, and he scored points. It was a safety for the other team. The other team got two points for his sincerity (laughs) and his lack of truthfulness. Um, So the issue is sincerity versus truth. Question we have is, do we want sincerity or do we want truth? Is being sincere in life just good enough? I read about a very conscientious conscientious nurse who, upon her rounds, uh, went into a hospital room and saw that she needed to change an oxygen tank, and so she did. She was at the end of her shift, and when the next shift started, the new nurse came around and checked on the patient, and the patient had died. And then it was discovered the oxygen tank was not oxygen, in fact, was nitrogen. The nurse was very sincere. And actually, the mistake was not hers, it was mislabeled. But it wasn't the truth. She was conscientious, she was sincere, but uh, a mistake had been made. Um, So... Sincerity is not enough when it comes to a life or death matter. That's what I want to point out. 
So our second option is Christianity is Christianity is narrow and wrong. And another point, another reason that people view this is that Christianity may be right for some, but it, it doesn't fit everyone. Have you heard that one? Christianity may be right for you, but it's not for me. Christianity may be right for you, but it's not for everyone. And the, the issue here is truth is what I believe it to be. This allows for personal preferences. Um, I think bald is beautiful. Isn't that true? Well, it's true for me. At least that's my preference. Um, it, and we have this sort of approach to life, different strokes for different folks. But is truth determined by what I believe or what my opinion is or what my preference is? Is that how we determine truth? I don't think we do it that way. Um, the truth is my belief system should be directed at truth. And um, so, let's see. Here we go. I believe that if I throw this pen up in the air, it's going to come down. Okay? This is an experiment. Uh, fortunately, I caught it. Now, was it my belief that made it come down? Because I believed it would come down. Did my belief have, like, control over this pen? No. It came down because there is a law I think God designed in the universe. We, we call it gravity. And there's a probability that, like, 99.999 that this will happen if I throw it up in the air. Um, another example... Um, So personal preference, um, personal preference, I can choose uh, how I wear my hair, I can choose the style of clothes, I can choose what I want to eat, you know, whether it's barachos or whatever it is, personal preference, but that's not how to choose religion. Um, so the issue is what I believe it to be. A third reason is Christianity is not tolerant. This is why people who hold this view, Christianity is not narrow. Christianity is not tolerant. And it's true, Christianity is not tolerant. Here's the assumption. Anything as narrow as Christianity is wrong. You've heard that. Anything as narrow as Christianity is wrong. Uh, that's a false assumption. Tolerance in relationships can be a good thing. In other words, you may be different than the person sitting next to you. Cut them some slack. Even if they believe different than you do about the Bible, tolerance is a good thing. Love them. That's being tolerant. Um, tolerance with truth is a travesty. For example, um, my car runs on unleaded gas. Probably yours does too. But I am really tired of the high gas prices. Now, I can also run e E85, and that's a little cheaper, but I don't know what's in that. And it gets really poor gas mileage. So, this afternoon, I have decided to fill my tank with water. I'm sincere too. 
But the, the point is, tolerance with truth is, can be devastating. It's, it's a travesty. Um, well, what if, uh, what if you decide to go to the Chippewa Valley Airport this afternoon and board a plane, United Airlines to Chicago? Anybody done that? And so uh, as you approach O'Hare International Airport in Chicago, your pilot comes over and says, this is the captain. I have decided to take a new course this afternoon. I've never done this before, but I intend to land on I-90, which is really close to (laughs) O'Hare. And, you know, the point is, it's kind of silly, but it's a travesty if you don't follow... uh, objective truth, objective reality about how to land this plane and where to land it, what time to land it, you know, get permission to land it. Um, It makes a big difference. Truth is narrow. Two plus two equals four. Gravity does not permit you to jump off the Empire State Building. There is some objective reality when it comes to truth. Um, Another assumption that is false is that all religions are basically the same. Is that true? All religions are basically the same. And people just do that without, they come to this conclusion without any reflection or very, very little reflection. And here's uh, my uh, first objection. Consider how major religions view God. How do major religions view God? So that's what we're going to answer here. First of all, how does the Christian view God according to the Bible? Well, from a Christian perspective, a Christian believes uh, there is one God in three persons. It's not simple, but that's how God has revealed himself. One God, three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And uniquely, Jesus Christ is God's Son, and he is fully human and fully God. That's a Christian perspective. Those uh, from a Jewish background, a Jewish faith, believe in one God, and this is called the Unitarian view. Not a Trinitarian view, but a Unitarian view. They believe that Jesus definitely uh, was not God. In fact, he would be considered a false teacher or a heretic. Muslims, on the other hand, believe in one God. They are also called Unitarians. They believe Jesus was a prophet, definitely not God. And my point is, there's a difference. There's a significant difference when you, when you look at major world religions. Uh, for Hindus, Hindus are monists. They believe that all is one. They believe in a non-personal philosophical God that is mostly philosophical, not personal, not, not someone you could know. Buddhists are polytheistic. They believe in many gods. Some are pantheistic, which says everything is God. The totality of nature is God. And my point is, there's just a major difference when you look at these things. You're free to choose, but they are different. They're not the same. Another objection is, consider how major, major religions view man's destiny or the ultimate goal of life so when it comes to um, man's destiny christianity true believe that true believers will spend eternity in heaven 
um, they will have a personal relationship with God, worshiping God forever. That's like ultimate goal. For the people of Jewish faith, some believe there is no life after death. Some believe they will be in heaven with their Messiah, who has not yet been revealed. Jesus was the Messiah according to the New Testament, but uh, those of the Jewish faith don't believe the Messiah has been revealed yet. Muslims believe they will join Allah in heaven for a life of sensual pleasure and gratification. Hindus believe they will become one with the impersonal supreme being in a state of nirvana. Buddhists aspire to nirvana as a state of total nothingness, which includes final annihilation of individual consciousness. Does that sound exciting or what? So, here's my point. They're different. They're vastly different in their approach. So are they all true? Do they all lead to God? Another objection is, consider how major religions achieve the, their eternal destiny. How do they arrive at their ultimate goal? Well, a Christian says, according to the Bible, humans can enter heaven by believing God's message about his son, that Christ died for our sins as a ransom payment for the sin penalty. This redemption is based on Christ's achievement, not on personal achievement. It's not about what I do, it's about what he did. That's what Christianity says about how to, how to arrive at your ultimate goal, how to get to heaven. In the Jewish faith, salvation is about turning to God and living a moral life. Salvation is based on man's ability to keep, keep God's moral code of law. For the Muslims, Muslims seek to earn their salvation by believing the five doctrines of Islam and doing the five pillars of faith. Some of you are familiar with that, five pillars of faith for uh, a Muslim is to recite there is uh, one God, Allah, and uh, Muhammad is his prophet. By the way, do you think that's narrow and exclusive? It's just as exclusive as it is to say that Jesus is the only way. Uh, one of their pillars of faith is to pray five times a day facing Mecca. One is giving alms to the poor. Uh, one is fasting during Ramadan. And one is taking a pilgrimage to Mecca at least once in your lifetime if possible. For Hindus, how do they achieve their ultimate goal? Nirvana is achieved through a series of reincarnations. This is the law of karma. Hindu reaps uh, in the next life what he or she has done in this life. And so there are consequences and rewards for your life, and uh, it's going to come out in your next life. Buddhists believe they can gain release from the law of karma. That's one of their goals, get out of this endless reincarnation by following the four noble truths and the eightfold path. And they, first of all, the, the life is about suffering. And so they, they uh, try to have right views, right thought, right speech, right behavior, right occupation, right effort, right contemplation, and right meditation. And with the goal of getting out of karma. So, if you want to simplify, 
you can take uh, the Muslim faith, the Jewish faith, the Hindus and the Buddhists, and, and there's a focus on achievement, about doing good and being better and working really hard at it. And for Christianity, the achievement is done by Jesus Christ. He has done the work of attaining salvation, and salvation is a gift. And yes, there's a place for following Christ and being obedient, but it's not about getting to heaven. Another uh, objection to this view is consider the law of non-contradiction. So we get, try to be logical for just a minute. Consider the law of non-contradiction. And if you remember, we've, we've looked at this before, either A is true and B is false, or A is false and B is true, or A is false and B is false. That's just logic. If something contradicts, only one can be true or they're both false. You can't have both being true and all religions leading to heaven, logically. So an example, either Christianity is true and Islam is false, or Christianity is false and Islam is true, or they're both false. Both Christianity and Islam cannot be true. You can really apply this to all of the religions. Another example is all dogs shed hair, right? Poodles don't shed hair, which means they are not dogs. Either one is right or the other is wrong, or both are false. They cannot both be true. That's the law of non-contradiction. So apply logic to this. Okay, last option, third option, Christianity is narrow and true. And this is the one, of course, that I feel very comfortable with. Christianity is narrow and true. The Bible claims that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. Yes, we've already seen this. Um, John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way. He's either a liar or it is true. It's either a true statement or a false statement. Acts 4, 12, salvation is found in no one else. Nobody but Jesus. That's either true or it is false. 1 Timothy 2. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's God's heart. He wants everybody to come into a relationship with him through Christ. He wants everyone to have knowledge of the truth. Verse 5. For there is one God... And one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. You see, God desires all people, whether they're Jewish or Muslim or Buddhist or Hindus or atheists or anyone. He desires a relationship with them. And there is one mediator between God and man, one go-between. That's why Jesus came to the, this earth. That's why he was born as a human. He is our mediator. Um, he makes it possible for us to have access to the true and living God. And he did it uh, when he gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed at the proper time. One other passage is uh, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. 
And this is the testimony. This is the Apostle John. He says, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have life. And he's talking about a spiritual life. He's talking about eternal life. And by the way, just to make it clear here, eternal life does not start when you die. It starts when you believe. It's a new life. It's a quality of life. It's a spiritual life. It's a new dimension, a new connection with God. Verse 12, whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. If you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, uh, the Apostle John says you don't have eternal life. What's my point? Christianity is narrow. The Bible claims that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. And so um, that brings us to the great trilemma. Perhaps you've heard of this. Josh McDowell made it popular. It's from uh, the writings of C.S. Lewis uh, to talk about who Jesus is. Uh, In the great trilemma, Jesus would have to be possibly a liar to say that Jesus was a liar. You know, for some of you, that just makes you cringe. But think about this logically. Was Jesus a liar? He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if he's a liar, if he was trying to deceive people, he is not worthy of following. Secondly, Jesus was a lunatic. He thought he was the only way, and he was not. Probably was a little crazy, a little off his rocker, flipped out, visions of grandeur, not worth following. Thirdly, Jesus is who he says he is. Jesus is Lord. Now let that set in. What are the implications if Jesus is who he says he is? What are the implications if Jesus is Lord? Um, in John five twenty four, this is what Scripture says. For very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word, this is Jesus, and believes him who sent me, has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. So again, we looked at this earlier. Jesus said, if you hear what God has said about his son, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you believe what God said about his son, you have eternal life, present tense. You will not be judged, future tense, and you have crossed over past tense from death to life. Right now, if you have believed, that's true right now. You have eternal life. It's, it's now, it's not later. Future, you will not be judged. How about that? That's a promise from Jesus. You will not be judged. It's not about you, it's about him. You have already crossed over from death to life. If you've placed your faith in Christ, already happened. It's not waiting to go across, it's now, it's done. You have a relationship with God. So, let me remind you of the good news. Last thing we're going to talk about, the good news. We call this the gospel, that's what the gospel means, good news. And so let me review some essential concepts. First of all, I'm a sinner. I am a sinner. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's... An essential understanding of the Bible. All of us, 
everyone in the world is a sinner. Um, by the way, have you ever had to teach a child to disobey? It's just nature. Isaiah 53, 6 from the Old Testament. Isaiah, 800 years before the birth of Jesus, said this, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. We, we, we did our own thing. We got, off our, we got off the path. It was about us. Isaiah says, all of us are like that. The second thing is, my sin has consequences. My sin has consequences. Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death. Um, wages are something that we get paid for what we do. One of the ways to talk about wages is to say there are consequences. There, there, is, there are consequences for my sin. And the Bible says it is death. Now there is physical death. I think you've heard about that. And the concept is separation. The, the basically, the, in physical death, there's a separation of the body, the physical, and the immaterial, the soul and spirit. That eternal part of man separates. The body goes to the grave. The, word, the concept that the Apostle Paul is using here in Romans 6.23 of death is not just physical death, but it's an e- eternal death. It's a spiritual death. It's what the book of Revelation calls a second death. And this is eternal separation from God. The consequences of sin is eternal separation from God. Jesus also called it hell. Isaiah, in the Old Testament, 800 years before the birth of Christ, said, remember this, but your iniquities have separated you from uh, your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Sin, that's what iniquities, iniquities refer to sin. They separate us. They put up a barrier uh, between us and God. Third thing I want to say is that God has provided a solution to my sin and its consequences. And that's good news. God, I don't have to provide the solution. God already did it. He did it 2,000 years ago. 1 Peter 3.18, this is what Peter, the Apostle Peter said, one of the 12 disciples. For Christ also suffered once for sins. That's good news. Only once. He did it. He suffered for sins. He suffered for my sins. The righteous for the unrighteous. He's the righteous. I'm the unrighteous. Why? To bring you to God. He wanted to bring you into relationship with God. That's the purpose of that God sent his son Jesus. He was put to death in the body. That's the crucifixion. But he was made alive in the spirit. That's the resurrection. Easter Sunday. When Jesus was raised from the dead. It was proof of victory over sin. Victory over death. And even victory over the evil one. Let's go back to Isaiah 53, six. We all like sheep have gone astray. We just saw that. Because of our sin. Each of us has turned our own way. Notice this, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Messiah. He's talking about Isaiah 53, all of this prophecy about Jesus who suffered. And God took our sin and laid it on him. 800 years before Jesus They didn't know, they didn't see this coming until Jesus came, and then it all made sense.
And fourthly, God has one requirement for eternal salvation. One requirement, Acts 16.31. Paul and Silas were asked by the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? Here's what their answer was. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. If they believe, they will be saved. If you believe, you will be saved. Believe what God said about a son. He sent a son to die for our sins. The righteous for the unrighteous to bring us to God. And then lastly, John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes. All you have to do is put your, ne- your name in there. This is why it's personal. This is not just religion. I always think of religion as sort of picking ourselves up by the bootstraps and sort of trying to reach God. Well, Christianity is really different. It's really God reaching down to us to offer us a relationship because Jesus paid the price. And then he can embrace us when we, when we trust him, when we reach out to God in faith. Uh, we trust him. We believe. That's what, to have faith, that's what it means, to believe what God said about his son. Uh, it's, it's to believe and be given a fresh start. It's to believe and to start with a clean slate. It's to, uh, to believe and uh, have your sins forgiven and be given eternal life. And then it's to become a follower of Jesus because that's the desire of Jesus' heart is for you to uh, be a part of his family and to follow him. And he will guide you and he will direct you and he will provide for you. But you have to start on his terms, and that's by placing your faith in Christ. So as I close this morning, I want to just take an opportunity to give anyone here who might be interested in placing their faith in Jesus Christ. I want to give them an opportunity to do that. And here's how. Scripture says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. So how do you express this faith? How do you express believing in Christ? Um, It's simple. One, of the, one way you can do this is to say a prayer. A prayer is not magical. The issue is, do you believe? The issue is your faith. Prayer is just an expression of faith. So a prayer can very simply be like this. And it, it's just a summary of what we talked about. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. Thank you that Jesus Christ died for me. I trust him right now to pay for my sins. And I invite Jesus to come into my life right now and I want him to help me be the kind of person that he wants me to be. It's just that simple. If you mean business with God, you can just reach out in prayer and express that faith and receive what God has for you. Forgiveness of sins, eternal life, a new life with him, a spiritual life, a new dimension. I'd like to go through that prayer one more time. This time I'm going to ask us to bow our heads. If everybody would just bow their heads with me for a short time. I'm going to go through this prayer again. If that prayer uh, made sense to you, you've never placed your faith in Christ, I just want to invite you to pray with me silently. Silently from your own heart. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. Right now, I trust him. I trust Jesus. Jesus who was alive. I trust him to pay the penalty for my sins. And I invite him to come into my life. And I ask him for his help. 
I ask that he will lead me and guide me and help me to be the person that he wants me to be. So if you pray that prayer, with, just keep your head still bowed. If you uh, prayed that prayer, would you mind just slipping up your hand so I can see? If you prayed along with me from your heart, just slip up your hand. Anybody else? Just slip up your hand. Thank you. Father, I, um, I thank you for sending your son Jesus. As we think about that this time of year, about how God sent his son on that first Christmas. I thank you that he wasn't, you didn't send him just to be a cute baby or to be a good man, but you sent him to make the ultimate sacrifice for us. For that, we thank you and we praise you. And I pray, God, for those uh, this morning who prayed with me in their own heart to place their faith in Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that you will be very real to them and they might sense your presence, that they might right now sense the forgiveness of their sins, and that they might sense a new start, a fresh start with you as they seek uh, to follow you. And so, God, uh, thank you uh, for our time this morning to focus on what the, what the Bible teaches about Christianity. In Jesus' name, amen.